Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Pat Greiner. She has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. Corn dog. Once again, we're really. back to the sweet meats. It, what, what's the definition of a sweet meat? Isn't that like intestinal? It's yeah, like, sweet, yeah. Sweet meats is, is is organ organ meat, liver, heart, or no, a sweet. Well, you you Which hear them called spreads too. Sweet bread, sweet, sweet meats. Meat. What the hell? Yeah. Echo. What's the definition of a sweet meat? According to an Alexa Answers contributor, a sweet meat is an edible confection made largely or entirely from sugar. Sweets, candies, and fruits that have been preserved with sugar are all sweet meats. Okay, I guess it's just sweet breads are organ meats. That's the American version, though. I wonder if it means something in like... I was going to um, say, I thought, I thought sweet meats were uh, organ meat. One of my favorite sweet bread. Why would yeah, they say sweet, sweet bread. bread? That makes no sense. I I, I know. It's English. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why do they call Rocky Mountain oysters? I mean, they have absolutely nothing to do with seafood. No, I'm not I'm not an oyster fan or I never I never actually tried Rocky Mountain oysters. I just assume that this is something I'd rather not eat. You know, <laughs> the whole idea of consuming testicles is a great idea if you're not physically chewing and swallowing them. You know, putting them mm-hmm. in your mouth is just fine. <laughs> but to actually, you know what I mean about the testicles. I'm just being silly. Yeah. I yeah. I was I always appreciated the fact though that they used to have a uh, a festival. I, I think in KC, the Rocky Mountain Oyster Festival, and I said to Bob, who was my boss, that uh, Martha also knows. So when I write the ad, can I use the phrase, the festival where everybody has a ball? And he was like, go for it. (laughs) Well, here they have the testicle festival. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm assuming that it's got to be the meat of the the junk of some animal. (laughs) I know that there are lamb fries. Why would they call them fries? I don't know. God, it's so Have you ever noticed that sheep have the most enormous testicles, though? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i've never pondered that pat <laughs> i can't say i've ever looked at a sheep's testicles but next time i'll pay attention driving by a herd of them and it was like they're practically dragging on the ground they were just <laughs> the fact that you noticed that pat is a little i noticed worrying. that it's like this seems to be a waste on sheep i don't know <laughs> Although, you... well, I don't know. Do you want fuzzy hanging balls <laughs> staring you in the face? <laughs> you know how they make like the hats that have the like yarn string and then just the gigantic puff oh, ball at yeah, the end? Puff balls, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's a way to recycle your sheet balls. Just stick them on a pair of hats. <laughs> up, Some ups, mittens. Upcycle gloves, the, uh, I mean, they used to make scarves. They used to make purses out of hogs' testicles, like the sack. Out of what a, co- a coin purse, you know, out of a pig, pig, hmm. the like the skin of the pig testicle. 
Oh, at first I thought you said hug. Scrotum. They uh, they made they made uh, coin purses out of kangaroo scrotums. When I was in Australia, that was a big tourist item. Did you mm. buy one, Pat? Uh, no. Too bad. Then when somebody says, hey, you got a quarter, you can say, let me check my balls. Let me check my ball sack. <laughs> May have a quarter in my ball sack. Hold on a second. Or Especially if you keep it in your pocket. You know, let me check my ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> yeah, I used to work for a I used to work for a bar called Bailey's. It was in Gillette, Wyoming. They had Rocky Mountain oysters. They called them something else though. Bull fries? Bull fries. Maybe that. Yeah. That whole we're back to that whole fries again. Yeah. L- lamb, lamb fries, fries bull fries. Bull fries. Do they not get that they're round? Maybe they slice them. Yeah, but even if you slice them, they're still not shaped well, like a pota- fries. A potato's round and you make french fries out of it, so. Oh, well, I suppose if they're going to slice. So maybe they cut it so that and bread each piece, kind of like chicken nuggets. It seems to me that I remember watching, what the name was? I can't remember what the name of that movie was with Chevy Chase where he's in the small town and he eats you know there's a record to be broken of the number of lamb fries you can eat and he's sitting there and he's he's going 32 I can do that so he's sitting there and he eats all these things and he goes what is this anyway oh those are sheep testicles and then of course he gets sick and goes and vomits or whatever he was a writer and he moves with his wife to this tiny little town and they buy this mm. house and he's going to write a book and of course everything goes awry i don't remember what the name of it is but but he was eating lamb fries and they looked round maybe i'm well mis- they might not cut them i don't know i've never had lamb fries before it's funny farm funny farm yes i knew it was something about a farm and there's a picture of lamb fries here and yeah they don't look like french fries they're not really round. They kind of look like they're sliced. Do they? Because they're kind of flat. At least this picture. They're, you know, they're not, they're not like round, but they look like they're sliced and breaded individually and then deep fried. They look like catfish. A little bit. Like little bitty pieces of catfish or something. This one, they're pretty round though. Oh. I remember my brother-in-law, you know, because. Yeah, I- they, they definitely do not look like. French fries. They're, no. they're a little round. So I told you I went to Sam's today, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I it's been a while since I've been grocery shopping. And now with Tyler and Kaylee living here, like there was hardly anything left in my freezer because I had stuff in there, but I hadn't been shopping in a long time. And they actually came over and has been cooking dinner, which I very rarely do. And uh, Tyler, I unloaded the Sam's and took care of it. And Tyler was taking pictures of my refrigerator and sending it to his girlfriend. I don't know if it's just beat the shock value that I actually had food in my house <laughs> or, or, or what? <laughs> it's more like, oh my God, look what we get to eat. They've been young and poor so long, you know, they're back in the house and there's all these choices. <laughs> oh my God, look at all this bounty. <laughs> well, it 
you know, when you live by yourself for a long time and then you actually have, I'm just going to say roommates mm-hmm. and then you mm-hmm. have roommates again, they have completely destroyed my diet this week. I'm going to have to get serious with it because like they went to pie junkie and they brought me back pie. They went to target one time they called me and they're like, well, what kind of ice cream do you want? And so I, they told me some different kinds and I told them what I wanted. And uh, they're like, well, we're getting two kinds. So, oh my God. so they bought me two pints of ice cream instead of just one. And I have absolutely no self-control. That's why I don't put this stuff in my house. Because if there's two pints of ice cream, I will eat a pint a day until it's gone. I do that with pie. I'll eat yeah. it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner until it's gone. It, in mm-hmm. fact, it's a good mm-hmm. thing that Pat does not live close to me. Because that Cause woman. She, she likes to make pie. <laughs> that woman can make a pie. In fact, if I wasn't married, I'd marry her. Just for the pie. Sorry, Vonnie. Actually, it's the next thing I'm going to make is some peach scones. I've got ooh, and your scones are, gonna... are delicious too. Yeah. My God, yeah, and it's peach season at the fruit stand. So, oh yeah, I'm okay if you marry Pat, so long as I can come still live with you guys during the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> We're going to have to all live together during the zombie yeah. apocalypse. <laughs> we all I mean, have... both of us crochet. We uh, could like hook us up with sweaters and stuff. Yeah, we yeah. could have. We could have crochet pants like the pictures on Facebook oh and TikTok. Oh my god, I could just see us fashion, you know, flashing some uh some orange and green chevron tight pants. Can you picture it? Some granny square. Yeah. Bell bottoms. We'll be out there with our machetes, you know, lopping the heads off of some zombies. In our funky fad pants. <laughs> funky fad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I feel kind of bad though, because if you guys are going to have an apocalypse skill, what's mine going to be? You know, my husband is an amazing cook and a gardener, and you guys both are fantastic with crocheting things. What am I going to do? What What do I bring to the table? You could probably garden your way out of it. I might be able to garden my way out of it, maybe. You'd have to run the emergency broadcast system during. Oh yeah, during that's the right. I I could be the, the radio person at the end of the world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the one that always gets killed while they're on the air. So yeah, watch course. out for the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's because they always put us in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always a big window in the front. <laughs> We're so screwed. Radio people are so screwed. <laughs> Into the zombies, it's kind of like that, you know, when it's candy making in front of a window where people watch. Yep. They're just <laughs> watching you. You're their salt, salt water taffy. Yep. Yep. Radio salt water taffy. Oh. <laughs> it's a new flavor. Try it. It's better than calf fries. <laughs> lamb, lamb fries. <laughs> Don't they have calf fries? No calf oh, fries? Oh, yeah, they lamb fries. fries. Calf fries. Bull yeah. fries. Bull fries. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. What's the difference between bull fries? I think, I think, and I think they're probably just two words for the Rocky same thing. Mountain oysters. I would think so. God, all this testicle food. It's kind of making me hungry. Okay. Are bull fries and Rocky Mountain oysters the same thing? Yeah, they're the same thing. Ah, okay. Well, that's good to know. 
If we have vegetarians in the audience, they're really hating this conversation right now. <laughs> fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Or they're loving it because they're like, yeah, I never have to worry about eating freaking full fries. <laughs> hey, in the zombie apocalypse, we're, beggars can't be choosers. We're eating it all. <laughs> we'll get some tripe up in here and some bull penis. and. Oh, I was going to tell you when we were talking earlier um, about sweetbreads and stuff. There's a TikTok or it might be a couple TikToks where they have like British people trying British like high school students mm -hmm. trying American foods and mm -hmm. it's pretty freaking funny and then they switched it off where they have uh, American probably middle school they don't look like they're that old trying British foods and it, it's pretty freaking funny mushy peas are disgusting and well be that and they beans on they toast have come on yeah baked beans on toast is that like baked beans like we have here no, like no, it's more like, stuff? it's more like, um, pork and beans, pork. Mm. Yeah. And toast. Why? I, mean, I yeah. don't know why. That's the weird thing. Those two things do uh. not go together. No, I would eat that. I would, I would put those together. Would you really? When I was in England, I drew the line at blood pudding. <laughs> yeah. Blood pudding is pretty disgusting. Yeah. Bla uh, black pudding, black pudding, Which and bl is, blood pudding, yeah, basically, blood pudding. except for it looks like sausage. Or yeah. haggis. It's round, like sliced. Oh, haggis is, haggis is something a little different, but well, also disgusting. Yeah. 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 My God, it is so freaking hot in here. Oh, my God. The devil's ball sack would be a warm welcome after sitting in this room at 108 degrees outside. It's like at least 90 in here. I swear Wyoming is like this little pool of, of normal weather in the United States this year. We just watch all this <laughs> shit swirl around us, floods and- Yeah, Southern California is getting hammered and... right now with rain. They said they said something yeah. like, they're supposed to get two years of rain. In like a in, week? In, like, in yeah, like a few days. days. Mm -hmm. Years yeah. of rain. Maybe even more than two. I, I heard some as high as five, five yeah, years. But to be fair, it's the desert, so yeah. they're- annual rainfall isn't like our annual rainfall yeah that's so that's fair mm -hmm. but still when your ecosystem isn't geared to handle that it's, it's gonna, gonna flood and mudslide and some, it's gonna mess some stuff up yeah, yeah. It it's really kind of like the weather person this morning said it's kind of like dumping a bucket of water on a hardwood floor versus dumping a bucket of water on the carpet yeah, you know, a hardwood really, floor yeah. isn't gonna can't yeah. absorb. It doesn't anything. have the ab absorbing ability, so Ooh, that's harsh. It man. just runs off. Mm -hmm. All right, kids, I think we could probably safely move on to the next portion <laughs> of our program now. Safely, we hardly ever make the safe choices, do we? Not really. No. Speaking of which, I am reading, I'm in, well, not quite in the middle. I'm maybe a third of the way in listening to Maeve Fly that you <gasps> reviewed a couple what weeks ago. What do you ago. think so far? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's Brittany, bizarre. Uh, Brittany, one of our Patreon members, texted me today. Uh -huh. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is such a great book. So yeah. yeah I'm it, really enjoying it. Yeah. It's, man, dark but so good. Definitely the narrator does a great job. Oh, yes. Definitely must do the audio. 
I mean, I have it. I have the hard copy too, but just for the cover, such a great cover. That eyeball is really eye-catching. Looks like a, a veiny lamb fry, doesn't it? <laughs> so, Vonnie, you got anything really heart-wrenching for us today? Horrific? Sad? No, I have morbidly funny. It's a nonfiction book, and to be completely honest, I was looking for something kind of short since my reading time has been almost non-existent with being in training and everything still. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to be in training until September. I... Holy shit. My reading is so down, but I found a deliciously, morbidly funny nonfiction well. that was only five hours long. And it is called Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs by Caitlin <laughs> Dowdy. Caitlin Dowdy is a mortician and a funeral director, but she has a few other degrees pertaining to dead people also but i can't remember what exactly they were it's been a couple of weeks since i've read this this book was gross <laughs> and hilarious and little kids will ask like the craziest questions and they're so it's like they're not afraid to ask the questions that like adults would not ask like um what happens if you die in space and like you know, stuff like that. And it, it was really good. She's freaking hilarious. Like one part, I think she was talking about why you're not allowed to keep bones from your deceased relatives as like remembrance souvenirs or whatever. Cool. You mean I can't make a flute from grandma's femur? No, <laughs> Such a no, you're not allowed. But um, she, she was talking about something about like the illegal trade, black market yeah, yeah. for body parts. And she says, but it'll cost you an arm and a leg. Oh, <laughs> oh talk about a groaner. I, I seriously laughed out loud when she said when she said that comment when she in that section. I was like, oh, my God, that's so fucking hilarious. But um, yeah, it's just basically talking about what happens to you when you die. Like, does your hair keep growing? Do your nails keep growing? Like, um, what happens if you die in space? What, why you can't, you know, keep your relatives, your dead relatives bones as souvenirs or make a necklace out of their teeth? Why a six foot person and a five foot person would basically make the same amount of ashes if they were cremated i almost said castrated and i'm like no wait that goes to a different conversation we were having <laughs> if they were cremated and um why you can't have they have to make sure that a dead body doesn't have a pacemaker inside before they go into the the machine the machine that cremates you and it was it was a really fun read i i mean Full disclosure, it's about dead people. So obviously it's going to be disgusting because it talks about like, you know, the liquefying of your inner innards after you die. Like if you die and you're not found for, you know, a week, two weeks or something like that, you know, you become soup. So the pressing question as a cat owner is, yeah, will the cat eat your eyeballs? <laughs> um... Maybe, but it's not the first thing that it would eat. 
you know, it would eat the soft flesh first. The eyeballs would be too hard to get out. I mean, uh, hmm. unlike your pet bird, which would probably go for the eyeballs first because it can peck. Yeah. yeah. But I, I read an article one time that said your dog will be much more interested in devouring you. And sometimes it only takes a few hours before they do it. Yeah, she well, she talked about that. And she said that there were actual cases where people like who had like drinking or drug problems that they would pass out. They would be asleep for so long and so hard when they passed out that they would wake up with chew marks like on their fingers and toes and stuff from where their dogs had probably tried to wake them up first. And she said, that's usually what happens is like your pet is worried about you. So they try to get you up. And the only way that they would know how to do it is like, you know, biting you love <laughs> nips. And then they get, they go, Ooh, that's anxious. tasty. Well, <laughs> they get anxious. And of course, if you don't wake up and you don't feed them for a few days, uh, they're going to eat whatever's available. And guess what? You're kind of meat candy, not on a stick laying in the middle of the floor. <laughs> so, but it was, it, it was interesting. Um, I didn't realize there were so many laws protecting uh, corpses, corpses as there is corpses. Yeah. So, and uh, some of the things that people think that you do compared to what you, they actually do in the funeral home to get a body ready for burial so Mm. it was super interesting and i learned a few things like i also learned did you know that people are not a great source of protein what one of the things that she talks about is about cannibalism and stuff like that which is frowned upon not really accepted But she said another reason why it's not really a great practice is because people are not that nutritious and we're junk food. I was going to say, based on the way way we eat, I'm not really that surprised. (laughs) And also our proteins are different than like animal proteins. So like when you can cook meat and cook out any kind of, you know, bad stuff, toxins and whatnot, toxins. And like if the pig or cow or whatever chicken had uh, was ill you can cook that out of the meat not everything cooks out of humans gross so uh if you ate your best friend when you got stranded on a ski trip you better make sure that your best friend didn't have any diseases or else you're probably going to catch him well we know that if humans devour human brains they get kuru which is basically like mad cow disease where Mm -hmm. it makes your brain go all spongy and whatnot and yeah, they, she talked about that Yeah, because there was like a tribe or something that, that they did that. It was like a ritual that they did was eat the brains. And one person had that sickness and the other people were eating the brains and then catching it themselves and dying. So more people were eating brains Ugh. and it just, yeah. Very interesting, very interesting read. Martha, I think you would really like it because you like sick twisted oh yes i love sick and twisted funny sick and twisted with a little bit of humor but uh, it, does it sound is like a fun one it is gross i will tell you if you are eating 
while you read this, be prepared to want to push that plate of food away, especially if it's like, you know, strawberry jelly on toast. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was really good. I would recommend it to specific people that I know like that stuff. I love that stuff. So I loved this book. It definitely five stars. I would read it again, probably. And that's called, well, yeah. Will my cat eat my eyeballs by Caitlin Dowdy. And I'm probably saying that wrong. So I apologize if I am, but yeah, good stuff. Good read. And it's short. So if you need something just to fill like a little bit of time, airplane ride or whatever, or whatnot, grab it, read it. It's awesome. So Pat, are you nonfiction this week? I no, knew I, I, I took I, your nonfiction. <laughs> you took my nonfiction spot, but that's all right. I am back to science fiction. Oh, good. When I was looking for a book the other week, I, I had recently read a couple of legal thrillers in the, from Scott Turow. So I was still kind of in the legal thriller vein, but I also was like, I want to read some more sci-fi and I'm really kind of in the mood for something funny. And I actually found the intersection of those three types. What? So so the book that I read is Maxine Justice, Galactic Attorney by Daniel Schwabauer. I just had a ball listening to this book. I I listened as an audio book. The narrator was excellent as well, which always helps. But the story centers around Maxine Justice, who is for one thing, using sort of a stage name amongst lawyers. Her real name was something like Euphremia, or I forget exactly <laughs> what. Euphremia? It, 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 yes, it, it was something very odd like that. And so she's a fairly newly minted attorney. She has a position, or she had a position, in a big, fancy law firm. But she had a fling with the son of one of the main partners. And when the fling broke up, it was awkward for him to have her around. So she got fired. Of course she did. And she's just set up her own struggling one-person law firm. And it's things are not going well. At the beginning of the book, within the first couple of pages, she's evicted from her apartment. She can't pay the the rent on her she's get on her office. She's getting thrown out of there. Her assistant, who is a pretty good assistant, she can't pay him either. And so he says, look, I've got to go to work for somebody who can pay me. So I'm leaving too. And she is just utterly down on her luck. So far down on her luck that she is working night court, which is kind of a catch as catch can for attorneys and clients. You've got all the, the scum who get hauled in in the middle of the night to night court and attorneys who are desperate for cases kind of circling around and picking them up and trying to make a name by defending them. The justice of the peace is an android. It's fairly near future sci-fi, but there are, that's the main difference from our society to this future one is that androids are a pretty functional and pretty integrated part of society because Maxine through an outburst of temper, gets in trouble at night court and gets assigned to required counseling. And her counselor, her counselor is a pastoroid, a an android who counsels from a Christian 
ministerial perspective because he's programmed that God, way. I had totally forgotten how funny that book was. <laughs> now I'm reliving it. <laughs> so she she goes through her sessions with him and uh, things are looking grim financially for her when out of the blue, she gets approached to represent a consortium of aliens who have an offer for Earth. They have a wonder cure-all serum kind of thing that basically will fix all of humanity's congenital medical problems. It essentially resets your DNA back to what perfect DNA would be if there were no mutations, no no anything. So any any disease that is that has a genetic component to it is eliminated. So most cancers, all kinds of heart disease and and predispositions to strokes and things like that. If you break your arm, you still break your arm. But yeah, disease would be wiped out. What the aliens ask for in return is 30% of Earth's refined gold reserves. Now, this really seems like a pretty good deal for Earth because for one thing, we're not on a gold standard anymore. Gold is just a symbolic possession. It's not like they're taking that much of our economy. And they keep saying, well, so they want to be paid the value of, of this. And she goes, no, they don't want the value in other money. They want the gold. They need specifically the element of gold for something that they're do some scientific project that requires the conductivity that gold possesses. So this seems like a good deal. Maxine takes it to the UN. The, and of course, she runs into red tape and paperwork everywhere she goes. And part of what's really funny in this book is her dealing with it because she's frustrated and she's she's bright and young and frustrated with all this bullshit she has to go through and just snarky about everything. But these guys are paying big money. They have set her up in a, in a beautiful law suite in the most prestigious skyscraper in town. She's got a, uh, her... Well, she can live there too, basically. It's such a big suite that it's uh, also got living space in it. She can hire her associate, her uh, assistant back. And things are looking good until, let's see, she gets kidnapped. There's, <laughs> And you find out that besides the fact that some people will always try to chisel the price down or figure out a way not to pay once they've made the deal, the other thing is there are interests on Earth who would really not like to see that kind of sweeping delivery of a medical miracle, specifically interests that make a lot of money out of healthcare. They're panicked if they don't, if suddenly the need for all this healthcare is going to be drastically diminished. So there are all kinds of interesting things and there's a really pretty good twist because all through the book, Maxine is no dummy. She is asking herself, why did they pick me? Why me out of all the attorneys on earth did they pick this struggling down on her lot person who really barely has any practice at all? Well, the way she rises to the challenge is really fun and funny. She's a fascinating character. She's, I think, pretty well developed. She's, She has a pretty, pretty good moral compass. She tries to do the right thing for people. She wants the law to help people, but she's also not above bending things a little bit here and there, like trying to add on an extra 
5% or so to what the aliens ask for from humanity so that she can up her fee that she gets paid, which is based on a percentage of that. So I just found it a really entertaining book. I To say much more would give away too many spoilers, but it does have a good twist. The thing that surprised me most, and it only I only found it out because... So now back to what we need to save for the end of this. Because we had an extra half hour today from where we were going to record until when we actually started, I was trying to refresh my mind on a few details. And I looked the book up on Goodreads and found out something that I had no real inkling about while I was reading it. This is a book from a, a specifically Christian publisher who specializes in Christian-themed science fiction and fantasy. And it was done so unobtrusively, the use of the, the pastoroid to convey some ideas about Christianity were done in such a way that it was not preachy at all. I didn't realize I was being preached to at all. <laughs> he was just an interesting character. Oh my, I am absolutely gobsmacked. I was about to say, Martha looks like somebody just hit her in the face with a wet mackerel. I never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, so kudos to Daniel Schwabauer for taking his message and working it in so artfully that you do not feel like you are being preached at or preached to at all in this book. You are just being entertained. The way I found this out too, this was the, I'm sure these are, pretty common. I just hadn't seen one before because I, I spend some time on Goodreads, but not a ton of time. The review, after discussing the book and its various merits, the review at the end had a list of a whole bunch of categories where it went through, do you need a warning or a, you know, should there be a basically a, like a parental warning for any of this? And it said, so there was like language and it said, no, don't really, there's no language. And I thought, yeah, I don't think she ever does swear. Didn't miss that either. And then went through like sexual content and they said, well, she had, she fooled around with this guy at this other law firm first. So, you know, you might have, but there's nothing overt. And it it had a cat, I mean, you so you would expect when they're reviewing this kinds of things that they do language and sexual content, violence, but they also had a, a section for magic whoever reviewing it was made made special note that yeah this is it's in the future so there's stuff that doesn't exist but it's always it's it's technology based it's not magic based so yeah there were some very uh some very restrictive ways of looking at things i guess but wow. so this this book passed all the litmus tests for those folks so if you are someone who's looking for a very christian acceptable sci-fi that's really very entertaining and very well done, I recommend Maxine Justice, Galactic Attorney. And if you don't care about the spirituality in it whatsoever, and you just want a book that's entertaining and very well done, Maxine Justice, Galactic Attorney. <laughs> I am as non-religious as you could possibly be, and I had no idea. So this surprising book from Christian sci-fi publishers is Maxine Justice, Galactic Attorney by Daniel Schwabauer. I guess I'm going to have to give this one to my Jehovah's Witnesses sister because I think she'd probably read it because it doesn't have any magic yeah. in it. Ah. Huh. Well, could have knocked me over with a feather, Pat. 
I was, and like I said, I didn't suspect that about it at all. No. I just happened to stumble across it doing a little research. And Wow. Amazing. And it was really funny. It was really, yes, it was. really funny. Okay. So shall we go down a very dark road now? Yeah. Okay. This week I read Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. I've read a few other ones by Liz Nugent, but I'm not 100% sure I've reviewed them. So I couldn't say because I didn't really look that up. I just remember reading about this in one of the one of the lists or articles. I think it was on Book Riot. I'm not 100% sure. But after I read the description of what the book is about, I immediately went and put it on hold. Well, let's start out at the beginning. Our main character is named Sally Diamond. And Sally is a 40-something-year-old woman who still lives with her father, who is ailing. But Sally is a very unique individual. You get the idea right from the start that she is... What's the word they use for people who are autistic or possibly autistic on the spectrum? On the spectrum. Okay. We, based on the description of her, you kind of get the idea that she might be on the spectrum. She's very, for one thing, she was, she was kept at home. Both of her parents were psychologists, psychiatrists, and she just has a lot of issues where she she's very uncomfortable being around people she doesn't like to speak to people she tends to pull on her hair when she gets really stressed out and you kind of see her in the beginning you know she talks about how she I think it was in the beginning where she talks about going to the post office and the lady at the post office thinks she's deaf because Every time they speak to her, she just ignores them because she doesn't want to talk. So the people in the village kind of think that she's deaf. So it's all these years she's been living in this village and they live in a very isolated part of the town. And the only time they go out is for very specific things. Well, she and her father have kind of gotten to a rhythm and they live quietly. Her father is very, very ill. And she, he's always saying, Sally, when I die, just put me out with the rubbish. Well, Sally's a very literal-minded person. So when her father dies, she literally puts him in the incinerator because that's what they do with their garbage. Because he's told her, Sally, if I die, put me out with the rubbish. So she does it. She puts him out there. She starts the fire. You know, she's very, when she goes back in the house, she sees that there is a letter for her, but it's almost her birthday. So she sort of like rationalizes that she should wait to open the letter until her birthday because her dad has died. So she, you know, you know, it's like saving it, savoring it. Well, of course, you know, things are not going to go well. So that we're, that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story the main character's name is Paul, and he's a young boy. And the first part of the story for him is his father comes home and says, I have to go out of town for a few days, so I'm going to put you in this room 
with your mother. Well, he's told her all the time he was growing up that his mother's crazy and he hears her yelling in there and he hears lots of things, but his father has normalized this for him and has told them, told him that his mother is insane. He takes the young boy in the room with the woman and says, here's all your food, son. Now, if she starts to say anything to you, she's not supposed to talk to you, but she starts saying things to you, you kick her. Okay, there's a lot of trigger warnings in this. A lot. So I probably should have said that right out front. There's a lot of really horrific things that happen. As it turns out, the woman in the room is his mother. She is very heavily pregnant at the time. The father is, you get the information later, he's a dentist. And he must have had to go to a conference or something. So he just leaves the kid in there. The kid's probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years old. Fairly young yet. Maybe a little older than that. I I don't remember. But of course, the minute the dad leaves, she tries to talk to him. And she says, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you since you were a baby. I miss you so much. You know, he's trying to talk to her. So he doesn't want to hear it. And he does exactly what his dad told him to do. He kicks her. He punches her. Just just absolutely horrific stuff. She tells him that she, the only thing that she gets to eat are cookies. He brings her cookies. So she hasn't had regular food in forever. And he has all this food that his dad has given him. So when he goes to sleep, she eats it because she's starving to death. So, you know, he, he actually injures her pretty badly before it's all over. And it's just a horrific, horrific thing. You also learn from that time that she was abducted when she was 11 years old. And she had him when she was 12. Normally, I would never read a book like this. I don't know what possessed me to do it. Because it had all the things. It had pedophilia. It had domestic abuse. It had just oh my gosh anyway you do realize after a time because in the letters that were left for Sally is an explanation of some things that she does not know the first of which being is that she was found with her mother and she was five years old at the time when she was found And the two psychiatrists that were taking care of her are the ones that ended up adopting her because her mother was just feral and ended up dying. Horrible, horrible, horrific shit. Well, Sally, of course, she has to try to like come to terms not only with the death of her father, but with all this new information. And then she gets this weird ass teddy bear in the mail It looks like it's been through the ringer. It's really awful. But she opens the box and she recognizes it. She recognizes this teddy bear. And she's, you know, she's got all these emotions running in her head before she learns about any of this that that happens. Like right after her dad dies. So the town GP is basically looking out for her. And she comes over and she sees this bear and she's like, where did you get this? And of course, part of that comes out and she's already read this stuff. So she's trying to give it a little at a time to Sally. 
Well, that portion of the story and Sally's, you know, way of dealing with all of these things is is a huge part of the story. But you're also getting Paul as a grown-up. So you're getting the information that of what he's doing with his life and some of the things that, that go on there. It's just... But it was so incredibly well-written and plotted that I couldn't find it. I mean, I would read it again, even knowing what I know about it, because it was just masterfully done and put together. And the ending was fantastic. A bit on the ambiguous side, just like I like them. Absolutely fucking brilliant. This is a Rachel book. This is the kind of book that Rachel would absolutely love. It had all of the psychology things, all of the different kinds of abuse and pedophilia, and there's death in it. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there are any pets that die in it, but just about everything else. I want to tell you to read the book because it was so good, but the amount of trauma that took place in it is just unimaginable so there you have can you can you tell us do those two storylines at some point come together yes yes they do yes that's the difficult part in trying to review a book like this because you have to be careful not to give away the things that that you that you learn subtly over time but yet Mm -hmm. are so powerful it's amazingly worth the read Sally, of course, then realizes that she's someone else. She gets to, you know, meet some of her family members. She has to readjust to her whole new way of life. She's got plenty of money, but she doesn't know how to interact. Then Paul, this other character, you know, he he basically grows up with his dad the way he is. And there's another girl. It's horrific. So incredibly good, though. Um, let see if I missed anything. Yeah, I think that those are the main points of it. But the, the two stories do, they do begin to converge fairly early on. But Paul, as an adult, is really where it starts to get twisty I think I've read three or four books from the same author because when I I went god that name sounds so familiar and I went back to Goodreads and sure enough I have read several by her none that packed the punch that this one does I would not be surprised at all if this becomes this thing was just published I got on the list for it fairly early and I, when I was looking, I usually at the end, after I'm all finished reading, I go and look at Goodreads to see, you know, what other people are saying about it. There's a lot, an awful lot of five-star ratings on here. But it is super, super freaking dark. Once again, that was Strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent. And I think one of the things that I like the best about it and in general about stories that I end up giving five stars to is you see the evolution of the character over time. You see the amazing changes that they go through. 
I don't, I'm not really a fan of a static character. I like ones that actually move forward. So yeah, I, I recommend it. It's good. Vani's got a chihuahua in her face right now. I couldn't tell what oh, must be sunlight hitting him. Yeah, she, you can see the stripes from sunlight. the stripes <laughs> from the blinds. It looks like yeah. she's got a camouflage mass of <laughs> dog wiggling little pooch on her. Oh, so chest. he's a sweetheart. She's Aren't a, you? She's an ancient chihuahua. So she's, she's like sixteen. So she's not. Oh, wow. She's not a chihuahua. It has the shakes and the snarly like attitude she's more of a laid back she's our little old lady she is <laughs> and she wants something because she's barking at me aren't you do hardly ever bark she hungry i think they have to, i think she has to go outside oh if good you go hungry animals the little thief outside? that we've taken in spot the orange cat the other yesterday i was making a ham sandwich for lunch and i had put down two pay two pieces of ham in the bread, turned around to the refrigerator to get the cheese, turned back, and he had grabbed one whole slice of ham and made off across the <laughs> counter with it. Oh, no. A ham thief. Come yep. back here, you ham thief. <laughs> he stole a piece of bacon from Ron while it was frying in the pan. He reached oh. in and poked it out with a claw. <laughs> oh, man. My goodness. I know one time I was, unlo I was loading the dishwasher and I put a, the um, silverware thing is on the door. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was kind of laying kind of flat. And I just threw a spatula in there. And that little shit took the spatula out and ran. <laughs> she pulled the spatula out and took off. Something good on here I can lick <laughs> off. I guess so. I guess the, that spatula just looked delicious. Pets are so silly. Chloe has this thing where she likes to forage in the garden and Ron he goes out and picks things, you know, and he, he washes them off. So he sets them on the sidewalk and washes them and then he'll be doing other things. He'll walk away. The other day he walked away and he came back and the cantaloupe that he had just rinsed off was gone. And then he got to looking around the yard and it's over there half eaten. You cannot keep I've a- never heard, of, never heard of a dog eating cantaloupe oh, before. Oh yeah, shit yeah. You cannot keep a fat lab away from any kind of food. And she knows what it tastes like because, you know, we put the rinds out in the garden. So she gets, she eats off the sweet pieces, you know, after we put them out there. Same with watermelon. She's, she's not really interested in the rinds. She just likes the sweet part. Well, she's smart. Yeah. She's very much smart. like myself. Yeah. Who wants to eat the rind? Eat the good part. Yep. Which is why she didn't wait because she wanted what was in there right now. Yep. She said, I don't want your measly rinds. I'm taking the whole freaking thing. I, yep. I know what's inside of here. Yep. Because you know what cantaloupes are like when you pick them in the garden. They're very fragrant when they're ready. She loves sweet potatoes. She would go out and dig one up when we had sweet potatoes. She is a forager, that girl. It's probably why she lived her an entire week after she got lost that time. She foraged and found stuff to eat. She'd make it in a zombie apocalypse. Yes, she would. She is yep. one hard dog. Forget Martha, Pat. We're going to go live with Chloe. With Chloe, yeah. <laughs> go find us food, Chloe. <laughs> right? Dig, dig. She would, we taught her how to dig for sweet potatoes when she was a puppy. Because we'd be out in the garden, you know, digging things up. And she loved to dig. So 
you know, have her smell it and say, dig. And so she dig down until she found the sweet potatoes and she would assist. That was probably a mistake in retrospect because she just goes and gets whatever she wants out of the garden, even though Ron has it all electrified around the whole outside of it. She still gets in there. And I she, think Echo found out the hard, the hard way that it was electrified one time. I think Ron told me she ran into the electric fence. <laughs> Whoops. But she only did it once. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Chloe, not so much. She gets a good run up and she slices right in between those two wires. Mm. She slips uh-huh. right between them. Well, she's old. She's 14. And the other day we went out there and the fence was all askew so she got in okay she just couldn't get out oh no she got Poor all, baby she got all wrapped up in the electric fence probably stinging the crap out of her until she got out yeah and guess what he put the wire back on and she went right back <laughs> to it again <laughs> she's like there's good shit in there yep. you can't keep me out yeah. <laughs> yeah she'd make a good zombie apocalypse dog mm-hmm it reminds me of, um, we had a neighbor a long time ago, and this is when Tyler was little, and they had this freaking little pug, most annoying dog ever, and but still cute because it's a pug, but this, they had a, one of those buried electric fences, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah invisible fence. And, um, mm-hmm, and they had a couple of dogs, and the other dog was fine with it, you know, didn't, knew where the perimeter was, didn't go past it. This pug, you would see him. He would get a running start, go as fast as he can, and then he would go over where the ele- the invisible fence was, and he'd kind of yelp for a minute and just keep going. Just, <laughs> and then just keep going. <laughs> That's the kind of dog cool. you need on your side right there. It's like, it's only going to hurt for a minute. It's only going to hurt for a minute. and then it's freedom Freedom! (laughs) then of course you know the pug would come to our house and we just take it back over (laughs) god dang it i just got free and you're putting me back in there (laughs) (laughs) this is the same uh neighbor who their little boy used to play with tyler and um tyler had a fish and this little Boy, he decided that he wanted to take the fish for a walk. Oh, my God. So he dug it out of the fish tank to take the fish for a walk like he would a dog. Oh. Oops. And he came back over to the house and he handed me this fish. And I'm like, and he's like, you know, I just wanted to take it for a walk. I didn't mean for it to to die oh. and he felt so bad that i couldn't even be mad <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah that's one thing you really can't do with a fish no they're, they not, don't. they're not good at taking they're, walks no they're yeah. not mm. not even in a rainstorm no Except for what what are the ones in florida that come up out of the water and walk around coelacanth Lungfish? No, it's, it's, is it a walking catfish? Something like that. I've heard of them, but I don't know what they're called. I think they. I think I want to say it's a dogfish, but that's wrong. Come up and wander around the golf courses or something, and do fish that walk on land in Florida. 
Walking catfish. Well, you were right. Jeopardy champion Pat. Woo! Special gill structure that allows them to breathe atmospheric air. Hmm. There's also something called snakehead fish that walk on land. Really? Pat and I did a mini episode recently for Patreon. So if you're a science fiction reader and you're not a Patreon member, you really should join. So you can hear that episode. It, it talks about the children of time, children of ruin, and children of memory. Memory. By Adrian Tchaikovsky. Both of us read all three books and we got together and talked about it. it was, that, was, that was a lot of fun. It was. We had a great time. And, and they're such good books. I know. I can't wait till we do our next mini episode. So I wonder if those uh, walking fish have a problem with their balls scraping along. Do fish have behind balls? Them. Do fi- they, I've, I've, heard of, I've heard of fish balls. But <laughs> but I wonder if it's I that kind of thing. ball. Yeah. yeah. Echo, do fish? do fish have testicles? According to an Alexa Answers contributor, Fish reproductive organs include testes and ovaries. In most species, gonads are paired organs of similar size, which can be partially or totally fused. Oh. Well, in fish, evidently, their testes and other reproductive parts are fused together. Mm. Fused? Fused. I don't know what that means. I think we need more study on fish testicles, so we'll table that for another time. Gotcha. Then you could really have some uh, Rocky Mountain oysters some from re- Florida. Some real. Some, somewhere there's a book on fish testicles waiting for us to discover it. And as book girls, we must do this. And that answers the forever asked questions. What came foot first, the fish or the balls? I think the fish would be out ahead of the balls. I know the fish came first, the fish or the <laughs> testicles. Now we know it was the fish. Definitely. Because they don't have testicles. Yes. I wonder where in evolution um, they decided that unfused testicles would be better hanging outside of the body than fused up inside like a fish. Because basically we came from walking fish, right? Right. So there must have been some evolutionary advantage to having those hanging down bits. Boy, that's a tough one to imagine what the advantage would be. <laughs> to it hang does in. seem to be, by and large, a weak point. Yeah. Right, yeah. Maybe as evolution progresses, those balls will get a little closer to the body. Maybe. And we won't have any. Maybe we'll event, men will eventually evolve and keep their testicles back inside again. Which would mean they'd, I think they'd have to get cool. Because I think that's why oh, I've heard they drop right. is temperature. Yeah temperature so you're not cooking those little sperm that's true so so if guys were cooler then they could get their balls inside it'd be a lot i'm so cool my balls haven't dropped (laughs) that's all right all right all right and that's gonna do it for three book girls can't get enough of three book girls check them out on facebook twitter and instagram follow them on tiktok youtube and check out their website at threebookgirls.com and join the group three book girls tribe on facebook if you really love them share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events three book girls a steel trap production